0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Market Talk. This is Mike Lung. I am being joined today by John Newton, Chief Economist at American Farm Bureau Federation. How are you doing today, John? I'm doing good, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, So I just want to first start off going backwards before we start going a little bit uh, forward here. And you have a pretty impressive resume from what I've been seeing, Ph.D. from The Ohio State University. And some. uh... (laughs) (laughs) so how is uh? What got you into the agriculture path, and uh, what made you want to be a economist? You know, I've,
1: I was a you know a trained economist. You know, I, I came grew up in Kentucky and studied economics at the University of Louisville, and uh, worked for the Department of Agriculture as an ag economist for you know nearly a decade. And one of the things that that really fascinated me, and something that that I wanted to be involved in, was was policy. I, I was just uh, so intrigued with with how agricultural policy was developed. And so uh, I had a, a unique opportunity while at Ohio State to work on the uh, Senate Ag Committee for the last Farm, bu- farm Bill uh, for, for Chairwoman Stabenow. And then following, you know, the Farm Bill I had another great opportunity to work uh, with the USDA office of the chief economist doing some Farm Bill analysis during conference. Uh, and it, I think it was really at that point in time I realized how much I enjoy working in agriculture, working on ag policy issues. And so about three years ago, I, I, I joined Farm Bureau, and it's just been, uh, you know, a, a fantastic uh, journey so far, representing all of agriculture and farmers and ranchers across the country.
0: Awesome. And speaking of policy, let's just dive on into it. China deal, uh, everything that's been going on this past year. What what do you think that moving forward, all this is going to do to policy moving forward in the future here with everything that's been happening this past year? Well,
1: you know, you you look back over over the last year and and what the administration's done to to try to address uh, some of the things that that China does in in terms of the broader economy, what they do on intellectual property, uh, forced technology transfer, what they do to subsidize uh, their own domestic uh, technology and, and manufacturing industries. Uh, You know, China has a goal and and their goal, Mm -hmm. long goal. We're not talking about a four-year term or a two-year term. Uh, Their long goal is is to become the world's, you know, economic power. Um, And so I think the administration saw an opportunity to, uh, you know, to address some of the things that they've done to get to the position that they're in uh, to address these things. Uh, And that's really where where we are today. I think, you know, the USTR folks have, have been working around the clock uh, to try to negotiate some sort of framework so that China is a,
0: is a better player and a better actor when it comes to international trade. Yeah, I'd agree. They're, uh, looking at them, I mean, their big thing is the long game. It uh, always has been and always will be. But it is interesting to see that a couple weeks ago it seemed like we had a deal done, and then you really see what China is and how they will try and – Use their hand here. Uh, after years and years of being able to grow as a big powerhouse here, and just backtrack on all the all of that, was that surprising to you, or were you expecting that? You know what? I, I think the you know a lot
1: of folks were were hoping that that you know they were looking at that May 10th uh, deadline. I think all the press was you know reporting some positive developments. Uh, and you know that, that a lot of the issues in agriculture uh, with respect to China had been addressed. You'd seen it in the press. They'd made commitments uh, to, to buy products. They were actively purchasing some products. Some things actually got exported, so I think w- once things kind of fell apart, uh, you know, you were a little surprised, and, and then at the same time, uh, you know, the the situation that we've been in for the past year of, of escalating, you know, w- once things escalated, you knew that that, that things, we were in it for the long haul. And I think that's where we are today. The ball is certainly uh, not in our court. It's in China's court to come back to the table uh, mm-hmm. and and make some, you know, they, they had made some commitments uh, and, and make sure they come back to the table and, and honor what they had negotiated uh, prior to things falling apart. And I think that's, you know, what would ultimately uh, upset the president is is things that we thought we had negotiated became things that were up for conversation again.
0: I have a strong feeling that this is now probably going to be pushed towards that 2020 election. It seems like it's obviously out of what Trump's been saying, talking about China wanting uh, Joe Biden and everything like that. Do you have any idea of where you think this is going long term or? You know,
1: I don't. Uh, and, and I think, you know, things can certainly change. I think if the, if the Chinese were to. Uh, respond and say let's come back to the table. Let's let's talk about this. I think that that there's an opportunity to, to re-engage but uh, Short of, of something of that. Uh, I, I think this could become you know a, a Re-election issue an an issue that hey, we need to stand up to what they're doing mm-hmm. uh, It certainly could could turn into something like that and I think when you look economically uh, In terms of you know, we're we're one of their best customers we import you know uh you know something to the tune of of 30 billion dollars a month in products from china uh so you know i think we do have some leverage it just may take some time for their for their economy to feel it uh and i think it, ultimately if if we can wait it out you see some structural changes in the supply chain some investments uh in some other southeast asian countries then then
0: i think uh, you know that that really gives us more leverage mhm and it comes to the ag side of things, how do you see our trade relationship ag wise with China going later on? Are we gonna get kind of a loss of market share? We've seen a lot of headlines recently. Or what's the what's the outlook for there? You know, I, again, I, I think that
1: things aren't beyond repair. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 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 you know, this I think this is a you know we saw this a couple years ago uh when when the chinese came into the the sorghum market and and they came into the sorghum market in a in a very very big way uh they were buying something you know 80 90% of the sorghum exports out of the US were going to china and then they turned that they turned it off uh they did the same thing with canola from canada uh mm-hmm. so when you get into a situation where you know, they're buying 60% of the global soybean trade is being purchased by China. Everybody's got a lot of eggs in that basket, and I think it's it'd be wise and prudent uh, to think about trying to find some new markets, long-term diversifying. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, China represents about 30 million acres of soybeans. Uh, you know, are there things that we can diversify into other crops uh, to to reduce our reliance on a single market?
0: Yeah, it, I mean, if that hasn't been seen. So far this year, or this past year, it, it's definitely something that should be in the forefront of a lot of minds going here forward. Just putting all your eggs in one basket's definitely not shown to be uh, too great for our markets recently. But something else that just came across the Twitter stream today was the uh, aid package for 2019. And we saw what rumors right now has not been completely confirmed, but rumors are two $2 for beans, for wheat, $0.04 for corn, and this is based off planted acres uh, and historical yields. Uh, How much do you know about the the package, and uh, do you have any insights about uh, what we should be expecting potentially Thursday?
1: I think that's what a lot of folks have been speculating uh, for some time now, what the numbers would be and, and how it would be. Uh, Distribute it in terms of an APH yield. Uh, You know, you really think about that APH. That was one of the challenges we had with the first MFP uh, last year. Was was some folks had a had a pretty poor crop yield. uh, Mm -hmm. You know, due to due to the wet harvest that they had, uh, and that impacted their MFP payment. So when they were thinking about, you know, this is what my yields were going to be, and then to to see, you know, the rain that we saw last fall really put a damper on that. So I think that's that's the motivation for using the APH. Uh, using their actual plantings, you know that's the motivation. There is to make sure the aid goes to the folks that, uh, you know, that are planting these commodities and are holding that risk. I, I think the concern is, is you know, you don't want to distort the planting intentions. You don't want, you know, that's something we've worked on on farm bills too. That's why the farm bill is decoupled uh, from planted acres, is, is so that uh, we're not influencing planting decisions. But, you know, when you're looking at how many acres of corn and beans we have left to plant. Uh, when you're thinking about prevent plant options, what commodity prices are? I don't, I don't know if you're really going to change uh, plantings by a significant magnitude because of the MFP payment.
0: Okay, yeah, because we were hearing a lot of uh, chatter about since Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio are all pretty far behind at this point. Maybe that uh, switching up a little bit, but I could be
1: wrong. You know, we could see 150 million acres of soybeans, but I, you know, I highly doubt it.
0: Yeah. I, There's
1: 116 million acres remaining to be planted as of today, you know, due to mm-hmm. late harvest. So, you know, how many could shift in the beans? I think that remains to be
0: seen, but I I just don't see a big swing. Do you think this is going to make some people back away from the idea of prevent planting going forward? And,
1: You know, you got to run your numbers. I, I think, you know, prevent plant. Uh, you know, at 350 corn looks a lot different than prevent plant at at 410 or 450 corn, mm-hmm. uh, where we're sitting today. You know, I think the the higher the corn price is, uh, there there becomes a greater incentive to maybe take the yield drag and, and plant a little bit later, so that you've got some crops to sell. Uh, so I think you know it's going to be different for for each grower to kind of assess the situation. Uh, but corn prices have been you know we're above the spring harvest uh, spring crop insurance price now. New mm-hmm. crop corn at four ten. The, the crop insurance price was four dollars. So, um, you know, the 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 incentive to move forward and try to get corn on the ground is is there from a financial perspective.
0: Right. And speaking of this corn rally recently, it, it's been quick. It's been a very sharp rally. Do you see this as sustainable? Because looking at from my end, we're behind USDA's export forecast, and it seems like every single day we get this rally that's a little bit more demand that we're losing out on.
1: You know, I'm I'm probably gonna gonna wade into some waters that are probably a little bit deeper than I'm used to swimming in. But you know, I understand that there's you know a pretty substantial uh, position in the market you know by by the traders. What are they, you know, record short positions and you need to, you need to unlock and get out of some of those positions because you don't want to be left holding the back when, you know, if corn prices rally. So, uh, you know, some of that may be a factor, uh, but certainly some of the, the, the late planning uh, is an issue, but then you're right. You got to come back to the fundamentals uh, and, and we may not meet the, the export target. Uh, the the second corn crop out of Brazil is supposed to be record high if, if I'm correct. And so, you know, the fundamentals, especially going into the new crop year, have to also be considered. So, you know, how much higher could we go? I, I think the the further we get, you know, people are really going to be watching the weather the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it could continue to go up, and then there becomes an opportunity to maybe uh, market or try to
0: uh, take advantage of this rally to, to lock in a better margin. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely, it gets you more excited being at this level than where we are. It's just a week and a half ago it's amazing how quickly these markets can turn um mm-hmm. but yeah it's 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 definitely a time right now with a lot of questions uh it doesn't sound like china deals are going anywhere right now uh there was reports out of bloomberg uh about china uh sending out a trade war song i don't know if you heard about that today but apparently they had something go viral about it which seems seems like again like we talked about earlier they're they're in it for the long game and they're trying to Get as much public backing as possible
1: uh, and they certainly can do that i mean it's you know they when you control the media uh, you you can do a, you know it's not an open democracy like like here in the united states there's not a facebook and there's not a twitter and things of that nature so right. uh, yeah i did see you know the what went viral on preparing uh, folks for the long haul
0: mm-hmm. yeah so that was interesting and like, like we're talking about weather, that's going to be day-to-day uh 11 to 15 day map keeps offering a little bit of hope and then it pulls it right back out and <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's definitely time to get some plans together um but going forward what what do you see for the future of this farm economy i mean right now you're seeing like we had the other day is very depressed market and margins are becoming slim uh what do you see going forward for our farm market
1: Well, you know I, th- I think it's it's becoming increasingly important to you know, to be a better marketer, to to proactively try to manage risk. That means taking advantage of of opportunities for price rallies when they when they show themselves. You know, black swan events can drive prices higher or lower, and being prepared uh, to to market and be in those those markets when it happens is is more important uh, today than it ever has been uh, before. I know that that's something that Farm Bureau we're real focused on. Uh, going forward is is trying to provide uh, more of a benefit to folks in in that space uh, in terms of, you know, marketing and and risk management. Uh, But, you know, you think about the state of the farm economy, net farm income in 2019, uh, you know, $69.4 billion. If you adjust that for inflation, uh, it's still in the bottom 25% of all time. Uh, 2016 Mm -hmm. saw net farm income in the bottom 25% uh two thousand and eighteen net farm c- income was in the bottom twenty five percent so what you've seen is uh several years now where where folks have likely you know eroded their equity position uh maybe some folks are really starting to consider if they can if they want to keep you know stay in the game so to speak and and spend all their retirement waiting for for prices and markets to rally so uh the market's definitely you know the farm economy's in in pretty tough shape, but that doesn't mean. It's tough for every single commodity. There's opportunities today in the pork market. There's opportunities, you know, last year in wheat. Uh, so, you know, you, you know, the, the roller coaster, the high and lows of, of commodity prices, that's something farmers have, have always experienced, and it's no different uh, today. A short crop somewhere around the world uh, would be a great opportunity
0: to, to boost the U.S. farm economy. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of... Rising fertilizer costs this year, and it seems like the cost of production for farmers keep going up and up and up, even though the the price has stayed relatively flat over the last couple of years. Especially here for corn, it seems like we've been mm-hmm. just in sideways trading range. Is there any idea of how farmers can go about reducing those overhead costs, or there's any any outlook there of how? we can have all these input costs keep going up, but yet not being any more profitable on the crop side of things.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you look at where all the the input costs are going up and when you look just across all of ag, you know, costs are going up in the labor space. Uh, You know, I don't think landlords are very eager uh, to reduce cash rents across the country, given, you know, the expectation of another market facilitation program payment. Uh, You talk Mm -hmm. about fertilizer costs, seed costs, that's, that's been a big riser. Uh, You know, when you think about how much it costs to get a a new seed to the market, the regulatory hurdles that are there, uh, it's a, it's a pretty significant investment that they then plan and need to recoup uh, that investment through higher costs, unfortunately, to the farmers. Uh, You know, one of the things that that we're doing here on the Hill and trying to raise awareness uh, recognizing that the costs of production have, have surged over the last decade, and while commodity prices have declined, uh, we're trying to reform, you know, the farm bankruptcy laws to really modernize them. Uh, right now, if you have a debt debt level over 4.2 million, you can't qualify for Chapter 12 farm bankruptcy to restructure and and put a repayment plan together. So we're trying to get that raised. Senator Grassley uh, first entered, introduced the bill to raise it to 10 million,
0: recognizing uh, that it needs to be updated to reflect a modern farm economy and I was also looking at you guys' uh, page looking at your stances on infrastructure and everything like that uh, how you go about the infrastructure stance there because that's from tax dollars and how how are you gonna go about trying to change uh, change policy for infrastructure to help the farmers there
1: well I think you know that's one of our strategic priorities in twenty nineteen it's just you know it's it's not only do we need to improve our roads, bridges, locks, and dams, but you know folks need access to internet and broadband. we the mm-hmm. the farm equipment and technology on the farm is is you know improving at, at such a rapid pace. We need to be able to deliver internet uh, on the farm and not just at the house where the the computer is, but on the whole farm where all the equipment's operating so that we can better use. Uh, the data that we have to be even better farmers, more precise in our our decision making, uh, knowing you know what the crop looks like, you know real time growing conditions, so to speak. So it's not just you know infrastructure, it's rural broadband, and, and those are all things that you know when our members, we bring 5,000 farmers through our doors here in Washington D.C. every year. And when they go in and visit with their member of Congress, they're talking about infrastructure, they're talking about trade, they're talking about immigration. You know, those are all, uh, they're talking about farm bill implementation. Uh, Those are all big priorities
0: uh, for our members. Awesome. Sounds good. Is there anywhere that anyone listening here can get a hold of you and have any questions or your office? Yeah, I mean, you you
1: could certainly, uh, you know, find me on Twitter at at new10 underscore ag econ. You can shoot me an email at jnewton at fb.org. Uh, you can find me at the Farm Bureau website. If you go to FB.org, you can find our contact information. Uh, so, you know, sure, feel free to reach out. Uh, you know, certainly, if you're a Farm Bureau member, uh, I work for I work for you guys. So call me anytime. Awesome.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you very much for joining me this week. Um, if you guys need to reach out to us, you can call here at Allendale, 1-800-262-7538. That number again is one 800 262 7538 by email allendale-inc.com. This week for Allendale Market Talk, Mike Lung signing off. Thanks for coming, John.
1: Thank you.